Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Well, I would like to welcome you all to our farewell corporate communion service. We designate it as such because first and foremost, this is the first communion we are taking together as a Citadel Global Community Church. Oh, that's a poor clap offering to the Lord. You know, you really don't have to be here if you don't want to be here tonight. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen and amen. Our new name, the Citadel Global Community Church, was registered on Thursday, the 9th of May, 2019. It's been a long journey to this day, and many will not even know what investment, and I'm not talking of money now, time, energy, a lot of thinking through that went into getting this name registered. We sent names like six times. It was rejected each time until we hit the gusher. And they said, this one is acceptable to them. Azuka Obiagelia Zinge, the Registrar General, stated, I hereby certify that the Citadel Global Community Church, previously called the Lateran Assembly, a.k.a. the End Time Church, which name was changed by special resolution and with my authority on the ninth day of May, 2019. I cannot thank enough the men and women, young and old of our ministry 
alongside with our consultants, who met from January 28 for about four months in different four sessions of several hours of thinking through the process. I want to thank every one of them, and maybe before the service is over tonight, I will acknowledge them and ask them to step forward as we unveil the logo of the Citadel Global Community Church. I announce to you that this logo you see tonight, you will see it no more. Because you are to become the tree of life to your generation. This logo is gone. Can you see it saying goodbye to you? Take all the pictures you want to take now and keep it forever. Because when you come next Sunday, you will not see it again. Can I hear amen? Looks like you're not too happy. I'm used to you. I know what happened to old logos. I know what struggle we had to take them away. They will not allow anything to become Nehushtan to us in this place because our philosophy of ministry is maximize discontinuity, which means continuous improvement. It is indeed our farewell, a real farewell to our surgeon in this place for the past 30 years. And as you will see, even the elements of the communion for this service are totally different from what we are used to. You know, for years we have kept our corpse <laughs> and the Communion department has had, they've had a lot of work to do each time we have communion. They will spend almost whole day cleaning the cups before we use them, and then they'll go back to clean them, and then we store them. The communion cups and the bread you are used to, you see them no more. This may not be new to so many people. I've used it abroad and in some other churches. But in your old church called the Lateran Assembly, you are not used to it. But right now, Omiti Tuntiru, Like Israel of old, tonight is a night with difference. With a difference. A night of solemn observance to the Lord. See with me Exodus 12, verse 40 to 42. Exodus 12, verse 40 to 42. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. We have just only spent 30, thank God. 
And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It's a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Although we are still in transition, tonight is a night of asset declaration, of change of guards, and of pressing the button as we have expanded the board of trustees of our ministry. This service is indeed our corporate farewell to the past as we usher in a new era of new beginnings and new possibilities. Before we go any further, I would like to state up front one major truth that I've imbibed and that has tremendously shaped my leadership style in all of the years it has been my privilege to, sp- to pastor this church. Would you like to know it? Well, take your pen and write down. Here's a vital truth. Leadership is not getting your people to become what you want them to become. Leadership is not getting your people to become what you want them to become. Rather, leadership is guiding them to become who God wants them to be. Several months or years I had frustrations because what I really would like you to be To see if you're not catching it. And I had hours of prayers and agony, agonizing in prayers. God, let my people become mighty in the land. The more I cried, the more it appears we are struggling. One day, it dawned on me, that's not my assignment. My assignment is not to get you to become what I like you to become. It's to guide you to become what God wants you to be. Prophet Samuel was the last judge of Israel, ending 450 years of the rule and reign of judges in Israel. Acts 13, 16 to 20. Every point I make will be established in the truth of scripture. Acts 13, 16 to 20. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you will fear God, listen. The God of these people, Israel, chose our fathers. And exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. 
And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for how long? For about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. This prophet, George, named Samuel by Anna, is either to barren mother, open the womb of a new generation, and judge Israel for how long? All the days of his life. You find that in 1 Samuel 7, 13 to 17, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. You will soon find out why I'm emphasizing that. It was prophet Samuel who ordained and anointed Israel's first two kings, King Saul and King David. His address as Saul's coronation is a masterpiece. And I thank God that is recorded for learning. Please turn your Bible with me tonight, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning from verse 1. 1 Samuel 12, this is my farewell service, and I'm taking the delight in following the pattern of Prophet Samuel, and as you soon find out, of Apostle Paul saying, goodbye for now. But not going away. For Samuel 12, verse 1. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I've heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and I've made a king over you. And now here is a king walking before you, and I'm old and gray headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you. From my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord. And before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Whom, whom have I cheated? Or whom have I oppressed? Or from those whose hand have I received any bribe. With which to blind my eyes. I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. Then someone said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought up your fathers off from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor. Please pay attention. 
into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the bears and asteroids. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubel, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw, hello, please pay attention to this, it's very critical. When you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue in Continue following the Lord, the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey, he was saying it before a king that had full authority to preside over the nation. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain. <laughs> that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great. Which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and reigned that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. And Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness, Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you will go after empty things, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. This farewell coronation address by Prophet Samuel reveals the true reason why Israel demanded for a king rather than their pretense reason 
that Samuel was old and his two sons were not walking in his ways. As recorded in Judges chapter 8 verse 1 to 7. They said to him, you are old and your sons are not walking in your way. Make us a king to rule over us like other nations. Prophet Samuel exposed the hidden fear of Israel as the real reason for their demand for a king in this farewell and coronation address. First Samuel 12, 12. I want you to see it again. Why they demanded for a king. Many times we pretend. We say one thing and we have another thing on the inside of us. In 1 Samuel 12, 12, Prophet Samuel exposed the hidden reason why they demanded for a king. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Besides exposing the hidden reason for Israel's demand for a king, there are other important points to note in this farewell and coronation address. And if you permit me, I would like to go over them systematically before we receive communion and before we unveil the logo tonight. Number one, Samuel's declaration of asset. For Samuel 12, let's begin from verse number 3. For Samuel chapter 12. Verse number three. Behold, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which will blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or pressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. If you compare that with a farewell address and declaration of asset by Apostle Paul, he said more or less the same thing in Acts 20. He said, I've coveted no man's gold, I've coveted no man's silver, I've coveted no man's apparel. These my hands are provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. From inception of this ministry, April 1, 1989 till this moment, 30 years have come and gone. I stand before you tonight to ask, as Samuel did, Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? For whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes so that I may restore it to you? I've never gone to a single member of this church privately, whether day or night, to solicit for funds in all these 30 years, either for my personal need or the need of the church. Not once. 
And if there is anyone had gone to, either to borrow or to solicit for anything other than what is said publicly here as need of the church, let the person rise so that I may restore. God, mighty, God Almighty and your good selves know that in these past 30 years, my hands have provided for my necessities and that of my family. Though many of you have been a blessing to me and my family in so many ways, yet no one can say that I ever demanded from him a gift of any kind. Neither have I borrowed from any of you or any member dead or alive to meet my personal needs or the needs of this ministry in the past 30 years. Now stand to your feet as we read First Samuel 12, 5 together. I will read Samuel's part and you will read the rest. First Samuel 12, verse 3. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before all this congregation this day. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Or whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. Your turn. Is that the truth? I can't hear you. Is that the absolute truth? Then the Lord is witness between you and I. You may be seated. Number two, please note that Samuel did not quit the stage and throw in the towel after this farewell and coronation service. Though the contentious blunders of his sons were exposed, he still left them in the service of the people. He said so in, in verse Samuel 12, 1 and 2, he said, you have my sons with you. Perhaps because they were judges with him for the sake of what is called institutional memory. He left them there until King Saul could assert his sovereignty over the people. First Samuel 14, 47 to 52. 1 Samuel 14, 47 to 52. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel. You see, the gap between 1 Samuel 12 and 1 Samuel 14 is not a few months. You find out it's, more, it's several years. It's like two, three years. So Sam, Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side. Against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines, wherever he turned, he harassed them. And they gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshua, and Malkishra. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn, Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz, 
and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. You see, those without antecedent, those without a very viable background check that you can ascertain have no business in leadership. Do you understand that? I'm not sure you get me. If they have no heritage, if you can't trace their father, trace their mother, trace where they came from, what school they went to, if everything about their life is fake, you have no business trusting such people to be your leader. I want you to please note also that at this stage, the name of Saul's concubine, Rispa, was missing. Or do you see the name there? No. A name means a bed, a coal. I checked the name to find out what does Rispa mean. Is a bed on fire? It may keep you warm, but it would destroy your descendants. Please do not sleep on a bed with a coal fire. There are too many booboo traps in the corridors of power. Abstain from any and everything that would traumatize your descendants. Let's come to the communion for tonight. Why is it really farewell communion service? From my study of the book of Exodus, where the first corporate communion took place, the first man to receive communion one-to-one was Melchizedek to Abraham. Remember that? But this is the first corporate communion in the book of Exodus. From that place to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Christ was called our Passover lamb, by God's grace, I'm able to establish that when they took that first communion, it was farewell to oppression and farewell to sorrows. God said, I've heard the cries of the children of Israel. I can see their oppressions and their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them. In First Corinthians chapter 5, it's farewell to a sinful lifestyle, sinful habits, and willful disobedience. It is farewell to malice and wickedness, even as we boldly and openly embrace sincerity, truth, and implicit obedience. So when I say farewell corporate communion service, I'm saying a number of things, and I'll still tell you more. It's farewell to oppression. It's farewell to sorrows. It's farewell to sinful habits. It's farewell to sinful lifestyle. It's farewell to willful disobedience. And let's look at First Corinthians chapter 5. If we are not even concerned about Exodus, we have read that, we know what's there. Look at First Corinthians chapter 5, where it is stated that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been slain. What was the trouble that Paul was confronting? First Corinthians 5, beginning from verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, 
And such sexual immorality as not as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. And the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven levels the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the whole leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So that what will happen? Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, if you connect the first Passover and the one when the Passover lamb was slain, you will see that these things were done not just for religious routine, but so that certain things can be broken. Oppression, sorrow, sickness, disease, wickedness, insincerity. That we may be a new lamb. Number three, Samuel demonstrated in his farewell address how to pass the baton and raise new leaders. Yes, he did shed off some of his workload and pass them on to the transitional king or transition leader, King Saul, but he never shirked his greater spiritual responsibilities to Israel. By God's grace, just as Samuel remained relevant to Israel to the day of his death, so will I remain relevant to this ministry till I breathe my last. That does not mean I will always be here. I'm just saying I will not abandon you. At the farewell and coronation service, Samuel made a commitment to pray for Israel despite their wrong choices. He demonstrated raw courage before the king and the people. He showed them a great sign to reveal their wickedness to them. Furthermore, Samuel warned the people and their king as to what will happen to them if they stop following the Lord. This caused the people to fear God and to fear Samuel. Israel and all the leaders of Israel fear Samuel, not just on that day of coronation service, but all the days of his life. So that when he showed up in any city, the elders of that city trembled. May God give us such men in our country. May God give us such men in our clan. So that when they stand to speak, the powers that be will put their life in check and do what is needful for the people. Can I hear amen? Since Samuel did not throw in the towel and resign completely from the affairs of Israel, 
even after Saul established his sovereignty over Israel, in like manner, no good leader or shepherd, what is sold, shall abandon his responsibilities towards the flock of God. So if any of you is entertaining thoughts of fear and abandonment, even when I will not be physically present with you, please perish the thought right now for the following reasons. A. Samuel was readily available to rebuke King Saul after he offered his unlawful sacrifice to God for unjustifiable reasons. Samuel had told him, you wait for me in Gilgal for seven days. It wasn't seven calendar days because that did not happen until after two years. He said, you wait for me in Gilgal. He waited, he did not see Samuel. And then he said, Samuel is delaying, but it was still the seventh day. He offered an unlawful sacrifice to God. And Samuel showed up and told him, your kingdom is taken away from you. And is given to someone who is better than you. Samuel was sent by God a second time to King Saul to redeem himself from his first blunder. In 1 Samuel 15, by giving him a new instruction to wipe out the Amalekites utterly. Again, Saul bungled it because of fat cows. I don't know if they were full of any cows, but because of fat cows, he spear King Agag and the fat cows and brought them back to Israel. And Samuel showed up again, was grieved in his spirit all night because God was grieved. And he said to him, What? It is the meaning of the bleating of the sheep. He said, The people, the people. The people, that was a problem of Saul. That's the problem of so many people who hear God and obey people. And this is a timely word for our transitional leaders. You only remain in authority for as long as you remain set under authority. Saul was still occupying the throne, but the spirit of God departed from him. Samuel was still very much around and it was his God-given responsibility to effect the change that would deliver Israel ultimately. God did not kill Saul before he anointed David. So stop praying for people to die. Let God do what he only can do. We know that God has purposed certain things in his heart and they will be accomplished in our lifetime concerning this nation. To all the new leaders sat do with responsibility of leading the now church, please note that persecution is part of the price you have to pay. And one of the reasons we engage our consultant is to avert the persecution we will face when men will rise up against her and say, rather than giving the money to the poor, they invested it in concrete, not knowing the reason and the principle behind the citadel. And I shared with our leaders, get ready for fireworks when they will jump on us. But as the Lord leads, we will preempt all the attacks because we'll go ahead of them and show the reason behind the citadel. Can I hear Amen. 
Remember that King Saul launched a massive attack, a manhunt against David. But the Lord saw him through. You too will have to face your own persecution from within and without. May God keep you ready for every challenge and persecutions ahead. Thank God that Samuel was still alive in the heat of David's persecution. David knew who to run to. He ran to Samuel. And when Saul heard that David was with Samuel, he sent people ahead of him to arrest him. They started prophesying. And he went there also. He turned himself naked and prophesied all night long. If God anoints a man, if you cannot be his friend, don't be his enemy. Because God will fight his battle. People of God, I trust God to keep me alive and well till the finish line. Even as he graces me to keep on serving with integrity and to finish with honor. As he did with Samuel, long after he relinquished part of his workload and responsibilities to both Saul and David. But the day came that Samuel had to quit the stage finally. First Samuel 25 verse 1. First Samuel 25 verse 1. Then Samuel died. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him. And buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Piran. Is there any other lesson from the life of Samuel? Number one, he was a man who served with integrity. He didn't take anybody's oxen or camel. Never received a bribe. That was why he could stand before the people. Just as Apostle Paul did the same thing in Miletus when he gathered all the leaders of the church together to say, I've converted no man gold, no man silver. We remain here for 30 years because we're not going to put our hands into iniquity. took us 10 years to get a proper approval on the land and on the building designs <laughs> that we chose to build as God led us. We gave no bribe to any officer. Our men within worked with them. They collaborated with them and they got the approval and we started building thereafter. Now we is about to finish. And we'll finish it with honor. It's a project that will not stop till it finishes because it's a project of faith. And our dedication, no man will be owed a dime. As the Lord lives in the mighty name of Jesus. But something touched me about someone's life. That if there was any tombstone upon his grave and there will be any epithet on it, using my imagination, it will have read... Here lies the remains of Prophet Samuel, a man mightily used of God and who remained faithful and relevant to God and to Israel all the days of his life and was longed for even after his death. Can you beat that? Remain faithful to God all the days of his life 
He served Israel with integrity, finished with honor, and long after he died, he was still being looked for. If you don't agree with that, what was Saul doing in the house of the witch of Endor? And who did he ask to be brought so that I might speak to him because God was no longer speaking to him? Whether he conjured the right spirit or wrong spirit, he mentioned with his own name, Samuel! is the one I'm looking for long after he had died. This brings me to the hour we have been waiting for. The unveiling of our new logo. The logo of the Citadel Global Community Church. The church for now. Listen to me, friends. In the year 2010, I stood before the church in Atlanta. What outreach church for all nations. And I said to them, for some time you will see me. And for some time you will see me no more. Quoting the Lord Jesus. I just built a home from scratch. My wife had lived, and I and the children had lived there for about three years or two. And my friend, Pastor Bank, concluded that with this mansion, this man is going nowhere. And when I stood before them and said, I told the church in Lagos, I'll be gone for 10 years. 10 years had come and gone. He said, what about the house? I said, it's a tool for us to use while we are here. Do you understand me? Nothing can chain me down. And I left without looking back. I did that in England also. I threw the keys at pastor's uh, names. I said, over to you, we are living here for the U.S. This building, the Citadel, every other building is not big enough to hold me down, not to obey God. Do you understand me? I have no emotional attachment to anything other than the will of God for my life. So hereafter, you will see me for some time, and for some time you will not see me. And I'm saying that farewell to you. May that God that people have been setting authority to continue and do even greater works than I could do while here with you. You cannot hold me back. When it was time for the Lord to go to the cross, his face was set like a flint. Do you understand that? I've served you for 30 years without oppressing you. I've served you for 30 years without taking advantage of you. I've served you for 30 years without robbing you. I've given you my best. I've poured my life out to you. I'm guilty of no man's blood. I trust God as I commit you to his able hands. I commit you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to sanctify you and to separate you and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I've coveted no man's gold. I've coveted no man's silver. I've coveted no man's apparel. And I said to you, in May of 1989, the first message I preached here, I will reach my goal and I will fulfill my destiny. That hour has come. I'm saying goodbye to you till we meet again. And as God graces me, I will come back from time to time to say, how are you all doing?
Like Samuel, I'll be checking what's going on. Remember what Paul said. He said, you gather together. Though I'm absent, my spirit will be with you. I labored faithfully here for 30 years. And I hope none of you will drop the ball. In the name of Jesus Christ. There's a greater assignment as a nation builder to fix this country. It is our assignment, it is our destiny, it is our calling. We are going to join hands with others to make it happen. This is our time. This is our chance. Even our enemies will testify. You cannot stop the plan and the purpose of God. And nobody can frustrate it. In the name of Jesus. So stand to your feet. As you unveil the logo of the Citadel Global Community Church. Mrs. B, please come on stage and help me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we unveil this logo of the Citadel Global Community Church this Sunday, 26th day of May 2019, as a symbol of our collective vision, mission, culture, and core values in the service of our King and His Kingdom, trusting God and relying on His enabling grace to extend the frontiers of God's kingdom on the face of the earth until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Somebody praise the name of the Lord. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.